Uh, I don't know if you remember those commercials. Uh, they were kind of late 90s, but it was, it was basically someone would make a mistake, and, and it was like, okay, you're not going anywhere for a while. And, and then they would say, you know, well, eat a Snickers, because, of course, I mean, that's going to provide all the nourishment you need in life. It'll help you in everything that you do. But, 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 but here's the thing that I thought was so funny about that is it, it reminded me of where we are right now. It reminded me of like this sense of like where you're really just asking yourself, is this ever going to stop? Like, you know, like where you really have that thought, you know, are we, we're not going anywhere. Like we're not going anywhere. It feels like we're just kind of here. And as much as we try, as much as we desire for it to be different, it just seems like we keep coming back to this moment, keep coming back to here. And, and, and some people have kind of compared it to the movie Groundhog's Day, you know, where it's just like you just keep repeating the same day over and over and over. And there's this part of you, like, you want to wake up and be like, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. And, and then you look over and you see the mask or something that you wore, or you see the hand sanitizer all over your house, or, you know, whatever it is, you, you start to come back to reality and you recognize that, you know what, we're, we're definitely not going anywhere for a while. You know, and I thought it was appropriate with football season trying to start too. That you know that the chefs, uh, the Chiefs guys, the chefs uh, would be appropriate as well. So I wonder if you've had that thought, if you've had the thought of you know what I just don't think we're going anywhere. I don't think we're going anywhere for a while. And so here's the question: What do you do with it? Like, what do you do about that? What do you, you know, how do you address that? How do you, how do you deal with that? And, and, and what I've found is that there's all kinds of ways that we deal with, you know, we, we, we sometimes try to uh, consider like, well, what we, what we really do is we, we think about like what was and we long for it. You know what I mean? Like you just long for what was. And, and the reality is, is you know that, that, that whatever what was is probably not coming back. And, and you've probably heard preachers say that or teachers say that or people saying, you know, guys, whatever normal is, there is no, new, there is no normal. And they talk about the new normal. And, 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 it, and it just kind of sets you in this place. And you're like, wow, what do I do with that? And so we definitely feel like we're in a holding pattern. You know, if you were an airplane, the, 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 the tower would be saying, keep circling. Keep circling. Don't Don't land. Don't land. Because you don't want to land. So, so you just keep circling. Just keep going round and round and round. It feels like we're not going anywhere. And so what do you do when you discover that you're not going anywhere for a while? How do you deal with that? How do you uh, address that? How do you approach that in life? And, and I know that I've experienced that. I suspect you have experienced that. If you're online today, I know that you've probably experienced that as well. What do you do when you know that you aren't going anywhere for a while? Snickers are great, but they're not necessarily going to solve your problem. They're not going to necessarily uh, deal with your spiritual nutrition, right? They're not even really going to deal with your physical nutrition very well. But, but, but we know what it feels like to not be going anywhere for a while. And so what do we do when we're not going anywhere for a while? 
I want to just uh, draw your attention to a few things that I think will be helpful for us as we think about uh, being kind of in this place, stuck in this moment, as, as it were, and, and figure out how we might best engage it. Because I believe disciples of Jesus Christ, people who long to be in the presence of God, really do have to become students of whatever their situation is. Because God calls us to see it, address it, and move out. You know? See it, address it, and move forward. See it, address it, come up with a plan, and move forward. We, we are never overcome or overwhelmed by the things around us. And so sometimes we got to get back up. we got to lick our wounds. We've got we've to forget what was. Whatever it is we've got to do so that we can begin to take one step, next step, another step towards the things that God is doing right in that moment. Because, see, guys, life always has challenges. We will experience more challenges. We are always going to be experiencing this. And so what do you do when you feel stuck? Well, the first thing I think that we need to do is that we got to go to the furthest places. we got to go to the furthest places. Now, now what, do you, what, do, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is that sometimes what happens is we stay in that moment and we sit in that moment and we only deal with that moment. And all we can see is what's in front of us. All we can see is this moment. All we can see is this virus. All we can see is the problems in front of us. And what happens is we become very myopic and we can only see that thing. And what happens is we can't see what God is doing. We can't see the the, the places that he's trying to lead us the places that he's trying to get us because all we see is what's in front of us. So we have to sometimes step back. We have to have that moment of clarity. We have to begin to look at what God is doing, not just what has been done, not just what is happening right in front of us. And so we, we become consumed with what's in front of us. And I tell you, I've had those moments. You know, as we've gone through this season where there was back in March... Everything was just locked down. And you're sitting there thinking, how do I do life? I mean, what, what do I do? I mean, it's like, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I, I mean, this is how I do ministry. This is how we do life. I mean, I can't even be in a room with people. How do I do this? And, and, and you just get so frustrated. And then, you, and then you, you know, a little bit further on, we're like, okay, it's June. We're going back. And we're going to go back to in-person worship. And we're going to do our thing. It's going to be great. And then, you know, some things happen. People get sick. Things happen. And you go back. And you're like, this seems like we're not going anywhere. And you get focused on that thing. And here's the thing that I discovered. Is I kept, as sometimes as we keep looking at the problem, we can't ever find a solution. Like it's like it's just right in our face and we can't see it. And so sometimes we've got to go to the furthest places. We've got to play this thing out. We've got to go way down the road to see what God is doing. And you ask yourself, okay, if this is my reality, for now or forever, what do I do? In other words, will I not be able to live? Will I not be able to function? Will I not be able to accomplish the mission and the things that God has put in my heart to do 
Is that, is that really where we are? That we just now sit there, we sit down and wait to die. That doesn't seem like what God is doing to me. I don't read that in his word. I don't read that. And so I've got to, get, I've got to begin to think differently. I've got to be, begin to look differently. And I, and I love the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul, he knew challenges. He knew struggles. And one of the things that we know is that uh, the Apostle Paul, for his faith, he was beaten, he was accused, he, he, he was put in prison. And you know what's crazy about that? Is when Paul was in prison, he wrote a lot of letters that we still have today. I want to read something to you out of 2 Timothy. So, so Paul is writing to one of his uh, uh, one of his young leaders that he's been investing in. And he's, he's writing to Timothy. And in, this is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. So the first thing he says to Timothy is, Hey, get your eyes off this and get your eyes on that. So he says, Look, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, that is not just some simple idea. That is an earth-shattering, life-changing reality. That Jesus Christ was resurrected. And the result of that is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I get to live into that victory. Regardless of my situation. He goes on, he says, this is my gospel. He says to Timothy, this is my gospel for which I am suffering. Do you see it? Even to the point of being chained like a criminal. He is in prison writing this letter to Timothy. But then what does he say? But God's word is not chained. I may be chained. I may be in prison. I may feel like I'm going in circles. I may feel like I am in a holding pattern. I may feel like this is just going over and over and I'm sitting there thinking, where, what am I going to do? I'm not going anywhere for a while. And can you imagine if Paul would have just curled up in the fetal position in that jail cell and complained and bemoaned his situation. You and me, we wouldn't have had his letters to read. Those letters that are so encouraging to us. Matter of fact, we just did a whole series on the book of Ephesians. The letters that he wrote. They're everywhere, and they're so good to our soul. But can you imagine if he would have just said, you know what, I'm just going to look at my problem. No, no, no. He said, this is my gospel. It is unchained. If you lock me up, it's still moving out. Because the gospel is never to be chained. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was a kind of a leadership podcast, but it was by uh, Patrick Lencioni. And I don't know if you've ever listened to him, but he, he's, he's really good. He wrote the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's really good stuff. But, but he, was, he, was, he was having this kind of dialogue with some of the people, a part of his 
company, and, 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 and they, were, they were kind of talking about this Chinese proverb. And the Chinese proverb is this, is when is the best time to plant a tree? And the answer? Ten weeks ago. Or today. Ten weeks ago. Or today. And the title of the podcast was Plant the Frickin' Tree. I don't want emails for that. You guys know me better enough to send it to I don't care at elevationstl.com. Plant the frickin' tree. See, the point he's trying to get at that we all need to see is that when we see the problem, sometimes we're just like, I, I can't plant the tree. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And, and, and even in the military, they teach you, if you're in a place where, where you don't know what to do, do something. Because it starts to unlock creativity. It starts to unlock new things that you didn't think of or you didn't see. It's the movement sometimes. It's the desire. It's the, it's the step of faith when you don't have the faith that begins to unlock what God is doing. And so we got to see the furthest places. Where is this going? God, what are you doing? And I promise you, as you think about that, take this. If you feel stuck today, get in your quiet place. Get a piece of paper and begin to think and write down all the things you can do, not the things you can't do. And when you do that, what will happen is all these things will start to flood out. You'll be like, oh, I can do that, and I can do that, and I can do that, and I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. And you're going to have a list that's much bigger than the list of can'ts. And the reason you can't is because you're focusing on what was rather than what is. Break through that today. Go to the furthest places. And so what do you do when you're not going anywhere for a while? you got to go to the furthest places. And I heard this phrase the other day, and it was so important to me. It was... Where are you waiting when you really need to be writing? Now, that could apply whether you're writing or not. For me, it was important because I've been trying to finish this book I've been working on. And I, I got to this point, I was like, you know what? I don't want to get to the end of this season and not have that done. You know? Where am I waiting that I need to be writing? And it's important that we see we got to go to the furthest places. The second thing is that we got to go to the deepest places. This is where it gets hard. This is where it gets difficult. Because I think sometimes it's easy to go outside of ourselves and find things to do, isn't it? It's the harder thing to deal with us. It's the harder thing to deal with the inner parts of our life where, where those places that we don't want to go to. Because, see, when you go to the deepest places, you find those things that you don't want to see. Because I think the deepest places sometimes can be the scariest places as well. When you start to let God in <laughs> to that room that you've had locked for a long time, to that thought, to that idea, sometimes what happens is that we just don't want to go through it. It's too scary. And you know what I'm finding? Is that the length of this problem is forcing us to deal with the scary. The length of this problem. The thing that we thought would be over in a month <laughs> that isn't. It's, it's, it's really causing us to deal with what's scary. It's causing us to deal with the deeper things. It's causing us to deal with the fact that why do I act this way? Why do I treat people like this? Why do I do this or that? Because when I'm under pressure, this is what comes out. When I'm squeezed, when I'm being crushed by the things around me, this comes out of me. 
And God is like, I see it too. <laughs> and I want to help you. Because my heart for you is not that you would act like that. My heart for you is that you would be a representation of the gospel to everybody around you. That you'd be the very presence of Jesus to them. And so we've got to go to the deeper places, don't we? We do, don't we? Because in order to do the things that God wants us to do, we've got to go deeper. And so the length of time that we're going to be through this, going through this thing is really forcing us to look at that. What if God, listen to this, what if God doesn't want you just to get through it? What if he doesn't want you just to get through it, just to make it, just to kind of say, you know what, I made it through Corona. I'm on the other side of Corona today. Now, what if, it's, what if that's not his plan? What if his plan is that in walking through it, he's trying to help you see some things? That in the journey that God is still moving, in the journey, and see, we love that when it's a good journey. When it's a good journey, we're like, oh, God's working. Woo, yay, I love it. But, but, but when it's a hard journey, when it's a, when it's a, when it's a difficult trek, we rarely say, God, thank you for this. What are you doing, Lord? I'm so, I'm so, you're just making me better every day. Thank you, Jesus. No, we, we're like, oh, this is so hard. How much farther, Papa Smurf? Not much farther, Brainy Smurf. Do you all remember the Smurfs? They would always ask that, or the kid in the school, how much father, daddy? And you, and you miss the journey. You miss the moment. So what is it? What, what if God doesn't want you just to get through it, but he wants you to thrive through it? He wants you to become all that he wants you. Here's, here's a, the best question you can ask. Is God, what are you trying to teach me about me? Not what are you trying to teach me about everybody else? Not what are you trying to teach me about politicians or leaders. Those leaders, they don't know what they're doing. What are we trying to do here? Stop worrying about everybody else for a moment. And just ask the Lord, God, what are you trying to teach me about me? Why did I act that way? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why am I doing this in secret? Why, what is going on in me, God? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? i got to go to the deepest places, even if they're scary. So we got to go to those furthest places. we got to go to the deepest places. Listen to the way that Paul uh, instructs his underling. In 2 Timothy 4. 16 through 17, he goes on and says, at my defense, at my first defense, he said, no one came to my, my support, but everyone deserted me. Did you see that? My friends, other disciples, my staff, huh? who? The person you thought that would be there? He says, everybody deserted me. And then listen to what he says. Dadgummit, Paul. Listen to what he says. May it not be held against them. Last time you were deserted, betrayed, is that what you said? Or would you be like, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would string them up 
And that you'd go after them, God. That you'd hold them all accountable for everything they did to me. Or did you say, may it not be held against them? My friends, you don't get to a place in your life to say, may it not be held against them without going to the deeper places. Ain't going to happen. You've got to allow the Lord to help you go to the deeper places to begin to look at these things. He goes on to say in verse 17, but the Lord, but the, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Let me just say this to you today. The Lord is more than enough. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know sometimes it doesn't seem like it. But my friends, he is. And he goes on and he said, the Lord stood by my side and he gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all and all the Gentiles might hear it. And then watch this. He says this line. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I was delivered. Now, did you notice it doesn't say he didn't suffer? Do you notice it doesn't say he didn't go to prison? Do you notice it doesn't say, matter of fact, he's fighting for his life before a group of people that don't understand what he's about. And so he goes through it, and on the other side of that, it says that the Lord delivered him from the lion's mouth. He suffered, but he didn't die. God had work for him to do. God had things for him to do. Is it possible that being delivered from the lion's mouth comes when we're willing to go to the deepest places in our heart? That the lion's mouth that's about to devour us actually shuts when we're willing to go to the deepest places and God starts to deal with our hearts. He starts to, to, to do some things in our heart because see, while we're waiting, God is working. While we're sitting there, God is working. Many of us are sitting by the fire warming ourselves because we don't know what to do. We're wringing our hands and God is saying, get up. Get up. Stop focusing on what was and see what is and watch what I'll do. You want to see miracles? Well, <laughs> to see miracles, you have to have a problem, don't you? You have to have a problem. It requires faith. What are we doing? It requires faith to take a step. We don't see miracles when everything's good. We see miracles when things are bad. And I, friends, I want to see miracles, don't you? Man, I want to see God work. I want to see God move in ways I've never experienced before. But he has put it in our hands and said, are you going to trust me? Are you going to pray for people to get healed? Are you going to believe me for greater things in the middle of the challenge? Are you going to reach for me? Or are you going to continue to see only what you see? Man, guys, that is good, good preaching. <laughs> and so what do you do when you're not going anywhere for a while first is you go to the furthest places second you go to the deepest places the next is get rid listen listen get rid of the safest places you got to get rid of the safest places you know the thing I've experienced over the last 20 years 30 years 
I guess I can even say 40 years now. <laughs> Especially in the American church. I believe that we've, we went through a season um, where we had enormous favor. We've experienced levels of certainty, familiarity, and even popularity. That has been the church's experience in the last 20 years. Certainty, familiarity, and popularity. And the other day, there was this podcast. Andy Stanley was interviewing a man um, who had gone through coronavirus on the other side of it, and he was having this conversation with this fella. And the, and the conversation basically kind of centered around the certainty that the American church, that Americans in the Christian experience have experienced, and he was saying certainty has become an idol. Let me say that again. Certainty has become an idol. That somehow if we sign up to be a follower of Jesus, that we're promised certainty. My friends, show me where. Other than God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he'll do. And that he is trustworthy. Certainty has become an idol and I think in this new season, we have to begin to experience a life of flexibility. Flexibility is the new normal. Flexibility is what God calls us to. We have to begin to experience life like a missionary. You know what I mean? When, when you walk in, you think you're going to do all these things, and, it's, and then all of a sudden, it's a right turn. Or you're, 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 you're looping, and you're like, what do I do next? See, we, we, we want the certainty, and the, and the only way we're going to sign up is if God just lays it out for us, and he says, sure, I'll lay it out for you, but it's going to take one step at a time. Think, think about a dark hallway. You're walking down a dark hallway, and the Lord gave me this image a long time ago, but as I'm walking down the dark hallway, one foot goes in front of the other, and the moment it does, it illuminates the path right there. And then when I take another step, it illuminates the path right there. But I can't see what's down the hall. And my friends, God is never going to show you what is down the hall. He's asking you to take a step of faith. Because he cares about what? He doesn't care about showing you the end. He cares about growing you in faith. And when it gets scary... When it's in that, that room you don't want to go in, that relationship you don't want to deal with, it, 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 when you can't pay your bills, he's saying, will you step? Will you step towards me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me the same way you trusted me when everything was good? Will you trust me? So certainty has become an idol. Flexibility is the new normal. See, fam familiarity has been our comfort. You know, everything, it's like you walk in and everything looks the same. It's great. It's all familiar. It makes me feel super comfortable. I mean, I go to Starbucks. It's the same Starbucks over here as it is over there. They have the same colors, the same seating, the same drinks. I just feel so familiar. Which leads to my comfort. Doesn't it? Maybe, maybe God didn't intend us to always be comfortable. Maybe God doesn't want everything to be familiar to us. How about this? Could it be that God wants us to be spirit-led in every moment? 
Could it be that we, when we walk into Starbucks, he wants us to be spirit-led? Uh, this is kind of cheesy, but like you walk in, and you know, normally you get the caramel macchiato. Today you're like, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you going to give me? <laughs> okay, he, he wants me to get water. <laughs> I've had too much sugar. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? In other words, maybe it's that the, the Lord wants that. Maybe it's the familiarity that's hurting us. And that in this new season, God wants us to be spirit-led. That as we, as we map this new way forward. And then the, the other one is popularity. I think the church has experienced an enormous amount of popularity. Uh, you see all of these churches and, and even the, kind of the, the idea of a celebrity pastor. Like I, that's a new thing, right? Like that's not like that had been around forever. You know, I wonder if they would have called Jesus a celebrity pastor. You know what I mean? Like I, sometimes I think um, Jesus' church would be smaller than some of the biggest churches in the world. Just because of what he says. <laughs> so popularity has become our status, but here it is. Truthfulness. Truthfulness is now very unpopular. It is unpopular to be truthful. It is unpopular to say the hard things. And my friends, preaching the gospel, the full gospel, in this new world is going to create division. It is going to create problems. At some point, your pastor, it's already happened, but at some point, your pastor will be attacked simply because I'm preaching the word of God. Some of you might even leave the church because I'm willing to stand on what I understand here. Because I think we're entering into a season where the favor of the church and the, the world around us, will, will, it just won't be anymore. I think we're entering into a time of persecution. And I think it's high time that we stand on the things we believe. And if that causes problems, then it causes problems. How is it that we came to a place in our journey with Jesus that, that if everybody likes us, then we're doing something right? Or if we have something big that somehow makes us right. You guys okay? Yeah. Ephesians 6, you know, we just did this series, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. This is Paul speaking. Words that may, may be given to me that I will, listen to this, fearlessly Make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Did I mention he's writing this from prison? And he says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. As I stand before this world, as I stand before this court, as I stand before this king, as I stand before whoever I stand before, may I be willing to proclaim the gospel fearlessly. And so, man, we've got to get rid of those safe places, don't we? If we're going to live into that. See, see, if we're not going anywhere for a while, we, we got to go to the furthest places. we got to deal with the deepest places. we got to get rid of the safest places. But, my friends, when we do that, listen, we will be able to go to the new place. When we deal with that, 
we will be able to walk towards and move out towards the new place. I think we're in a season right now. Uh, it's like we went through the first six months or however long it's been, first three or four months, five months. Does anybody know what month it is? <laughs> and that was, it was almost like you were in survival mode. You know what I mean? Businesses are trying to survive. Families are trying to figure it out. I mean, it's just you're, you're just trying to survive, man. And all you can see is the thing in front of you. And here's what, I, here's what I need to tell you. Some of you may still be in survival mode, and that's okay. God is for you. God is with you. But I do believe that we're trying now to pivot a little bit. We're trying to pivot away from just survival and to really start to kind of reframe our reality as we reframe our reality and we begin to understand our reality, we can start to move towards the new place. And I've had that moment, I, I think I shared it in a video this week with you guys, and if you, you read it, or well, if you watched it, uh, I shared a little bit about how I had to just get away. I felt like there was just so much noise, you know? You ever feel like that soundtrack, you know, there's just so much noise. So many opinions, so many ideas, so many things that are kind of swirling around. And the thing that I needed, guys, I just needed to hear from the Lord. Like I needed to hear his voice. Not everybody else. I just, God, would you speak to me? And I remember I got away for about three days and I was just listening and praying and reading and writing and, you know, doing that kind of thing. And, and I just heard the Lord speak so clearly as I, as I, I was like, God, will you help me? Because you know what? I'll let you in on a little secret. I had no idea what to do. Like, as I looked at the fall, I had no idea what we were supposed to do. I mean, I'm sure you guys are much better leaders than me. You probably had a plan, six-point plan, and knew exactly how it was going to work. But I just didn't know. I had ideas, but I didn't know. And see, the Bible says that that God will speak to us. And when he does, he gives you a peace that surpasses understanding. You hear this? A peace and a joy that comes from his presence. And as I said in that hotel room, I just listened to the Lord. And, and, and the, 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 kind of the idea that he gave me is to think differently. <laughs> think like a businessman. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I'm not a businessman, God. I don't, I don't know. He said, think like a financial advisor. <laughs> Wait, I, you know I can't even add. Why do you want me doing this? But what he was trying to get at was to help me see something I wasn't seeing. Is that in order to insulate ourselves from this virus, we have to diversify our models. Get it? So when you go to a financial advisor and you give him the money and you say, here, can you invest this for me? He usually doesn't say, well, let's all put it in this one thing, right? He sprinkles it around. Because if the market crashes over here, it protects you over there. You become insulated a little bit from the problem. And right now, we were living in a place where, where if we had to shut down or if something happened in our world, our main engine, this weekend experience, we ended up being shut down in some ways. And, and what God was trying to get us to see is how do we change that? How do we insulate ourselves from that? How do we live in such a way that this virus doesn't tell us what to do? We serve God. 
His mission is more important. And so how do we get to a place where we're no longer on our heels, but we're right here and we're ready? We've got to change some things. We've got to adjust our models. And I'm not going to rehash all of that, but, but basically what we're going to be doing is first week is prayer week, second week is worship corporately or in person, uh, in person or online, third week is serving, fourth week is corporate worship, and then the fifth week is a potpourri of fun. But that's what we're going to be doing for the fall. We're going to adjust. We're going to insulate ourselves. We're going to have our small groups only at 10. So in case they go to 10, we can still meet in person. We're doing things to adjust in order to continue our mission. Because see, we've got to keep God's people healthy so that we can continue the mission. We've got to do it, guys. And that's why I'm urging you to not just sit there in your house. To not just hunker down. Imagine if Paul would have just stayed in the jail cell and didn't do anything with it. Get to work. Get up. Have a new vision and begin to see. And if you don't have a vision, take the one I just gave you. And begin to apply it. Begin to use it until God gives you your vision. So that you might be able to do the things God has called you to do. Come on. And so I end with this. 2 Timothy Chapter 4, 1 through 2. He's writing again to Timothy, and, you know, and he's saying, okay, look, look, look. I have, okay, I have one last thing to say. Like, i got to give you this. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Look at my eyes right now. I give you this charge. I give you this charge. I give you this charge. Listen, listen. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. You can tell the major league baseball players that didn't work out in the off season. Are you going to be ready? Are you ready? Are you getting ready? Preach the word in season, out of season. Be prepared. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Some of you correct and rebuke way too much, especially on Facebook. And you need to spend a little more time encouraging. Some of you encourage too much. <laughs> you need to rebuke and correct a little bit more. But always do it in love. It says, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Does that sound familiar? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great numbers of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. Gosh, makes me sick sometimes. To think about how real that is right now. He goes on. He says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And then he says this. Listen, listen. Here's your four priorities. Come on. Keep your head in all situations. This is my charge. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. 
Tell people about Jesus. Tell your friends about Jesus. You can still do that, even from your home. And he says then, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Discharge all of the things that you have to offer. Discharge your talents. Discharge your skills. Pour yourself out for a God who is worthy of your life. And then I promise you, depression will leave. Fear, anxiety, all the things. They'll begin to leave. Because the very presence of God is in you as you work out your faith, as you share the things that you need to share with the world around you. Come on, people. I want to pray for us. God, thank you so much. God, thank you so much for your word, for what it means to us, how it helps us, how it shapes us. God, Lord, I know that there are some in this place on the other end of this screen that what I said was really hard to grab hold of. I just pray in your mercy, your grace, that the truth of the gospel, whatever it is that I said that's of you, would be planted deep into our hearts, that it might grow, that it might be kept from the enemy stealing it, that we might put it into practice, that it might come to be, that we might plant the tree and do the things you've called us to, Lord. Father, I, I just pray that you'd give us the strength and the power to do all these things that you've called us to. I do want to just for a moment speak to those here. That don't have a personal relationship with God. As I read the scriptures this morning, the thing you noticed is that Paul continued to lift up the gospel. He continued to live, lift up the sacrifice of Jesus and the power that comes through his resurrection. And my friend, this is something you can have. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he'll come in and that he'll begin to work in ways that you can't even predict. And he'll change it from the inside out. It's a gift, and all you have to do is reach out and receive it. And so I just, I just want to offer that to you today. If this is something that you would like, I'd love to be able to pray for you. And let this prayer be your prayer. Let this prayer be the thing that you want to say to God as you surrender your life to Him today in faith. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Be my Lord. Lead me and guide me. Change me from the inside out that I might serve you with all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we want to celebrate with you. Can we clap for those that are giving their life to the Lord today?